you know, I, I think I was about nine years old and we were living way up north in the middle of nowhere on an acreage. And on this particular day, I was super ticked off. I was so angry and I don't remember all of what was going on, but I do remember who I was angry at. I was angry at my mother. And uh, I don't know what mom had done to make me so angry. Probably she told me, you know, Elvin, you have to go clean your room um, and take out the garbage. But if you just have to clean your room, that was one thing. But take out the garbage, it was just too much that day. And I was just so angry. And uh, I did, uh, in, in all my nine-year-old emotional maturity and stability, I did what most of us do when we get super ticked off because we disagree with someone and we're just so angry. I ran. I ran away from home as a nine-year-old. I got about 200 meters down the road. Remember, we lived in the middle of nowhere. And all of a sudden I realized, ah, shoot, I don't have a very good foolproof plan here. Like, where am I going to sleep? What am I going to eat? What am I going to wear? I hadn't thought through all these things as a nine-year-old. And and so I just kind of stopped and waited about 20 minutes on the side of the road there and maybe 30 minutes. And I thought, you know what? I think my point has been sufficiently made, right? I think it's been sufficiently made because as a nine-year-old, I mean, 30 minutes feels like three days. So I'm like, you know what? I'm going to head back home and in my imagination, this is how it played out. I'm going to go home and there's my mom. She's going to just come to me and say, Alvin, I'm so sorry for what I did. And the whole family's going to gather around and tell stories about how valuable I am and how much they love me. So I got home None of that happened. In fact, they didn't even know I was gone. It turns out when you live in the middle of nowhere and you're one of six children, when one child goes missing for 30 minutes, nobody even notices. And uh, and so, uh, you know, after a few minutes, you know, the emotion kind of wears off and you go on with your nine-year-old life. But, you know, I bet you have a story of running. I bet at some point you've run. Maybe you didn't run away from home. But I bet in some uh, relationship, you disagreed so strongly and you were so angry that you walked away from that relationship, that there was a circumstance you were so mad about, that you just walked away from the circumstance, you just ran. You know, I think there's a, a piece in all of us as humanity, we're runners and we tend to run. In fact, I bet at some point you've even run from God. And today, in the next four weeks, we're going to dive into a series on Jonah. And Jonah was a prophet in the Old Testament. That's the time frame before Jesus came. And Jonah was a runner. And I think we're going to relate a lot in regards to who Jonah was and sometimes how our lives go as well. So if you don't know much about the Bible or you're kind of new to faith, new to church and Uh, In the Old Testament, that's the section before Jesus, there's 39 books, 39 books, and 17 of the 39 books, almost half the books are prophetic in nature. They were written by prophets. And if, if, uh, uh, so there's five major prophets and 12 minor prophets. Now, you may not know what that means. The major minor does not mean that 
some were more significant than others. It just relates to how long of a book they wrote, okay? So there's five major prophets. They wrote like a really long book, and you can read it, like Jeremiah, Ezekiel, uh, Isaiah, they had like 30, 40, 50, over 60 chapters. They were like the long-winded preacher. You're like, okay, are we done yet? And then there was the minor prophets, and they had like shorter books. And Jonah's one of them, Amos, Malachi. There's maybe three, four, five, maybe eight chapters. It's quite a bit shorter. But Jonah... Is, is interesting because he was a prophet. And I don't know if you know what a prophet is, but prophets, typically, they speak to the people for God. That's their job, right? God sends a message to a person in the Old Testament called a prophet, and that person would relay that message to the people. It's like, here's what God says. But Jonah, Jonah is a little bit unique, and he's interesting from all the other 17 prophets or prophetic books. See, they all write about, here's what God says, and here's what God says to you, because they're prophets, right? Well, when you read Jonah, there's almost none of, here's what God says, and here's what it means for you. In fact, you can only find like two lines in the entire four chapters where Jonah does like prophecy, where he speaks to the people for God. The rest, and this is unique out of all the prophets, the entire book is just about him. (laughs) It's about him running away from God. And I think we can relate to that. And so I think this is a significant, significant book. But Jonah has gotten a little bit of flack over the years. And a lot of people kind of just write the story of Jonah off. They write the prophet off because of this one event that happens in the story. And I'm going to kind of give away the story a little bit here. But I got to deal with this because it's significant. So there's this one point in the story where uh, uh, Jonah gets swallowed by a big fish. And then he stays in the fish for three days and he lives to tell of it. Which when you hear that, you're like, come on, a fish? I've caught fish before. There's no way you're fitting in a fish. And even if you found a big enough fish, if it was like a whale kind of fish, can you even live in a fish for three days and survive? And so people kind of just, you know, they're skeptical and maybe you're skeptical. It's okay if you're skeptical. In fact, you don't have to believe that Jonah lived in a fish for three days to become a follower of Jesus, but probably along the way, you're gonna have to wrestle with that. But, you know, we kind of get skeptical. We're like, is that even scientifically possible? Is that even medically possible? And we just kind of write off the entire story of Jonah because of this one kind of crazy, unbelievable event. And it is an unbelievable event. But I think that's kind of sad because there's so much that Jonah can teach us and that we could relate to outside of the fish part, right? There's so much that I think we can relate to. Now, regarding the fish part, um, just so you know, uh, I'm not a scientist, I'm not a medical person, um, but I kind of think that Maybe it happened, but again, if you don't believe it happened, it's okay. You can kind of wrestle that out. But here's, uh, you know, something I think that I would challenge you to think on if you're like, I'm not sure if this is true. Um, You know, a lot of times we come to stories like this, and, and if we're outside the faith, we're like, do I have to give up my thinking hat to become a follower of Jesus? Like, I just kind of have to have this blind faith, and I throw science out the window, I throw logic out the window, I throw reasoning out the window. And I just want to say this, as it relates to the Christian faith, you don't have to take off your thinking hat to be a follower of Jesus. In fact, I think as you consider the faith, that when you become a follower of Jesus, the Christian faith actually encourages us, encourage us to question, sometimes to doubt, to wrestle through these things. 
And here's the thing regarding, you know, Jonah and, and so on. God is the God of wisdom and knowledge. So to follow God, you don't throw thinking out. You don't throw knowledge and, and, and reasoning and logic and science out. No, God is the originator of it all. He, I mean, we have science because of God. I think the, the, the piece we have to wrestle with is when we don't understand something, it's not because, well, I have to throw thinking out. It may just go further than my thinking has allowed me to go. I think the Christian faith says, keep your thinking hat on, but allow it to expand. Because here's the deal, let's be honest. If you could figure out everything there is to know about God, he's not a very great deity, is he? And that's not a slam on your thinking, right? I mean, why wouldn't you just be God if you can figure them all out? Obviously, there's going to be some things about God that go beyond our understanding. He is understandable, but he's beyond our understanding as well. And so when there's tensions, it's like, I can't make sense of that. The Christian faith says, don't throw your thinking hat out. It says, expand and consider having faith in the things that you can't quite explain yet. And here's the reason, and maybe you wonder this. So why do I, if I'm not a scientist and I've read up on some of this, why do I think that Jonah actually was swallowed by a fish and lived to tell of it? Here's one of the main reasons why I think, and I think you should think it's true as well. Because Jesus, I don't know if you knew this, Jesus mentions Jonah hundreds of years after Jonah lived. I think it's in the Gospel of Matthew 12 and maybe the Gospel of Luke chapter 11. Jesus talks about Jonah, and get this, he specifically mentions Jonah's time three days and three nights in a fish. Now, I don't know about you, but whenever there's a disagreement or dispute about like this or that, I just go with the guy who predicted his own death and resurrection and pulled it off, right? So if Jesus thought it was true, then that's good enough for me, right? I'm gonna think it's true again. But if you don't believe in Jesus, maybe you're not quite there yet. And you don't have to believe in Jonah, in the fish, to be a follower of Jesus, but eventually you'll have to wrestle with it. Okay, so we got that out of the way. So here's the story of Jonah. We're gonna learn some things about God through this story. We're gonna learn some things about us through the person of Jonah, because again, I think we relate to Jonah quite a bit. And thirdly, we're gonna learn some things about what God does in relation to us. And today, in the first message, what we're gonna see is this, is that in our running, and we all run, God runs too. That you have a heavenly father who's a runner. He chases us down. Here's how it plays out in the person in the story of Jonah. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Now, we don't know a lot about Jonah other than what we have in the story of Jonah, what Jesus said, and one other passage in all of Scripture that mentions Jonah. The only things we know. The other passage is in 2 Kings, which says this. It says, he, and this is referring to Jeroboam II, who was king of Israel. He, King Jeroboam II, was the one who restored the boundaries of Israel from Leba, Hamath, to the Dead Sea in accordance with the word of the Lord, the God of Israel, which all of that probably means absolutely nothing to you, which is okay. But in essence, the point of this is that that uh, this word of the Lord came and said to the king of Israel, hey, your territory is going to expand. And then it happened. And remember, God always speaks through people called prophets. So who brought this word of the Lord? Well, it turns out Jonah did. This message, this prophecy was spoken through his servant Jonah, son of Amittai, the prophet from Gath, Hefer. So here's what we know about Jonah. 
He's not just a prophet who like spouts things and says, hey, God said he's a true prophet. He prophesied to his own people, his aunts, uncles, relatives, kinsmen, his own king and said, hey, by the way, good news. The territory is expanding. You're going to go to war and you're going to win some battles and we're going to gain some more land. Okay, so he's a, and it actually happened. So he's a true prophet of God. Well, now we find out that the word of the Lord came to Joshua, son of Amittai, again. But this time, the message would be very, very different. Rather than going to his own people, his own family, and saying, here's some good news. We find out that God said, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. Go to the great city. You know, Nineveh was a great city. It was just a few years after this that it would become the uh, capital of the Assyrian Empire. The Assyrian Empire was the growing world power. And so this was a major city in the entire world. And God says, I want you to go to this great city and I want you to not preach some good news like he did to his own people. Like, hey, some good, some good news. You're gonna preach against it. Why? Because it's wickedness has come up before me. Now, history tells us that the Assyrian Empire and the city of Nineveh was an extremely, extremely wicked city. They, were, they boasted, guess what? They boasted, they would brag about their brutality. They were the most violent. In fact, in, fact, in the history books of all of humanity, one of or maybe the most violent, brutal empires the world has ever seen. And God's like, this has come up and this isn't good. And so I want you to go preach against it. I don't know about you, but I don't know if I'd really want to do that, right? I'm going to go to the people who don't like me. I'm going to tell them bad news for them. And oh yeah, they're like super violent, right? It's like, so Jonah ran away. He says, "Uh uh-uh, I'm out. And why did he run? Part of it is because of their wickedness, but there's a specific piece to their wickedness that causes him to run away, which we're going to get to in another message. But Jonah runs away, but he doesn't just run away. We're told that he ran away from the Lord and headed to Tarshish. So God says, go to Nineveh, and he runs away, but he doesn't just run away. He runs away from the Lord. You know, in what ways do we run away from God? You know, God gives a message to us We read something in scripture, we hear something in church, we have that internal voice, that God's spirit, God's just kind of prompting us to do something, and we kind of just drown out the voice of God. So I'm going my own way. I imagine some of you today, listening, and those of you that are here, some of you are running from God right now. Yeah, you came and you showed up in church and you're listening online, but you're trying to drown out the noise of God's voice. There's some things going on in your life that you just don't want to deal with. And God may be tugging on your heart and saying, there's, some, there's some, some sin, some wrongdoing that you need to deal with. There's some substance abuse that you've been hiding that you're not willing to deal with. There's a sexual addiction that you're trying to keep under and God's been prompting you and speaking to you and saying, it's time to come clean. It's time to, time to seek some help. And let others know. And every time that voice comes, you just drown it out and you say, no way, I'm not going that way. I'm going my own way. You're running from God this morning. You know, some of you, there's a relationship 
And maybe it's because the last two years, maybe it's because of 20 years that you know and God's been prompting on you to reconcile. And every time that relationship comes up and there's this prompting and you hear messages about reconciliation, you read God's words, it's about reconciling and, and living at peace with others and you push that and you suppress that and you drown that out, you're running from the word of the Lord. You know, some of you, there's a, a person who's done a great deal of harm to you. And you know that God has forgiven you and you're supposed to forgive as God has forgiven you. But every time that person comes up and that idea of forgiveness comes up, you run, you disagree with God. In what ways are you running from the Lord? Maybe some of you today, you're running from the Lord because you feel God's prompting to invest in a neighbor or a family member who doesn't know God, but it scares you. And every time it comes up, you just go the other way. Maybe for you, there's this call, this sense of, I think God's calling me to take a risk or to, to step out in courage, to step into ministry or leadership. But every time, it's like, no, nah, I'm going my own way. In what ways are you running from the Lord? Well, Jonah ran from the Lord. He heard the voice of God. He said, uh-uh. We're told that he went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for that port for Tarshish. And after paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. And this is where the story starts to pick up. And this is where we find out who is God and who are we and how does God interact with we, with us. And what we find is that in our running, God runs and he chases us down. And this is how it plays out for Jonah. It says, then the Lord sent. Everyone say the Lord sent. The Lord sent. Thanks, Bill. Then the Lord. Okay, everybody say the Lord sent. The Lord sent. All right. That was good. Thanks, everybody. The Lord sent. You're going to need to remember that because that's going to show up later. It's so, so important. If you have it in your Bibles, a hard copy, just underline, highlight, circle that, those three words. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. I mean, this was just disaster upon disaster, right? Well, all the sailors were afraid and each one cried to his own God and they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. Now, why did the storm come? Because who sent it? The Lord sent it. This was God's way of saying, Jonah, I want to get your attention. And guess whose attention God got? All the pagan sailors. They're like throwing stuff overboard. They're like, God this, God this, I don't care what God, let's just start praying to every God possible. We gotta find the God who's ticked off right now and somehow appease him. We're gonna die. <laughs> well, all the sailors were afraid, but guess who's not afraid? And guess whose attention has not been caught? But Jonah had gone below deck where he lay down and he fell into a deep sleep. He is drowning out the voice of God in every way possible, much like you and I do. When we disagree with God. Well, the captain went to him and said, how can you sleep? We're about to die. Get up and call on your God. We're trying to find all the gods possible. Maybe he will take notice of us so that we will not perish. Well, the sailors said to each other, come on, we gotta figure this out. Let's cast lots and find out who's responsible for this calamity. And they cast lots and it fell on Jonah. 
which means they are like, we need to talk to Jonah. So they asked him, tell us, who is responsible for making all this trouble uh, for us? What kind of work do you do? Where do you come from? What is your country? From what people are you? They're just like, question, 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 question. We got to figure this out. We're about to die. <laughs> and Jonah's like, okay, let me t- give you the goods. I'm a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. <laughs> See the irony? Who runs from the God of the sea on the sea? (laughs) Jonah did. But I mean, what else? He's also the God of the dry land, right? If this was written like in today's language, it'd be like, and the God of the air. It doesn't matter. You fly, you drive, you swim. God is the God of it all. And this terrified the sailors. This terrified them and they asked, oh no, what have you done? Your God is really ticked off right now. They knew he was running away from the Lord because he'd already told them so. Well, the sea was getting rougher and rougher because God was trying to get Jonah's attention. So they asked Jonah, what should we do to make the sea calm down for us? Pick me up and throw me into the sea, he replied. And it will become calm. I know that it is my fault, your problem. It's my fault that this is your problem. This is my fault that this great storm has come upon you because it's your problem. But it's my fault. Notice what Jonah doesn't say. He's not like, oh, by the way, guys, (laughs) so God said this stuff. I was supposed to go this way. I went the opposite way. Just turn the ship around. I've had a change of heart. I'm going to follow God. Just turn the ship around. Now I'm following God. God's going to calm the storm. Jonah does not say that. Why? Because when you're angry and you disagree, you very rarely give in. You become stubborn. And Jonah's like, you know what? If there's the option to like change course and go God's way or just keep going this direction and choose death, I choose death. I'd rather die than follow what God has asked me to do. But the sailors weren't convinced. Instead, the men did their best to row back to land, but they could not because they're fighting the God of the sea who's trying to get Jonah's attention for the sea grew even wilder than before. Now then they cried out to the Lord, this is Jonah's God, And they said, please, Lord, do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man. For you, Lord, have done as you please. In essence, they're saying, God, he hasn't done anything against us. He's innocent towards us. So don't hold us accountable for doing what he's asked us to do because this is his fault according to him and you, but it's become our problem and we don't want to die. So then... They took Jonah and threw him overboard, and guess what happened? This good question. The raging sea grew calm because God is the God of the sea. And at this, the men, the sailors, greatly feared the Lord, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord, and they made vows to him, which is ironic. These pagan sailors who don't believe in God are making sacrifices and vows to a God they have not believed, while the true prophet of God is not willing to follow through on the vows he's made. 
It's not the end of the story. The author finishes, he bookends this part of the story by saying this. Now the Lord provided, everyone say provided. Provided. Now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah and Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. See how the author bookends Jonah's running? He starts by saying, what was that phrase I told you all to say, including Bill, that the Lord sent? That as Jonah began to run, God chased him down, that God was running with him. And even when Jonah was willing to choose death over following what God had asked him to do, he was not alone. God chased him down to the very jaws of death in drowning. And God provided for Jonah. See, in our running, God runs too. He's a father, a good heavenly father who chases us down. He, you can't outrun him. You can't, out, you can't run beyond where his presence will follow you. God doesn't stand far off and say, well, you want it your way. You can have it your way. God is a God who's present. He chases us down. He says, here I am. And he sent the storm to get Jonah's attention. And when Jonah was unwilling to listen, he provided a fish. In what ways are you running? You have a heavenly father who's running with you. It got me thinking, so why do we run? Why do we run? I think there's two main reasons why we run, and there's probably lots of reasons, but I think these two main reasons is why we often run, and it's this. We run to escape, and sometimes we just run to try and find something new. Obviously, Jonah ran to escape. He heard the word of the Lord. He said, I don't want anything. I disagree with you, God, and I'm going another way. But another reason we often run is to find, and I think this is also an escape, Sometimes we start running, we're like, I just want to find the good life. I want to find happiness. I want to find the pleasure that I want. And I know what's best. And so instead of following God's pathway to life, we think we know the best pathway to life. And so we run on our own pathway to life, which is the opposite direction of God's pathway to life. And God is the author of life. What are the chances we're going to find life if we're running away from the author of life? And it's an escape from God and his pathway, which he's already declared for us. This is the way to life. So in what ways are you running? In what ways are you running? Are you running to escape? Escape what God is prompting you and calling you to? That relationship that you know you need to own your part of it? Yes, they had a part but every time God brings it up, you just try to drown out his voice by pretending your part wasn't that bad or blaming the other person. You're not willing to own your part of the conflict. In what ways are you running from God as he calls out to you? See, in our running, God runs too. He chases us down. And I don't know if you caught this, but God chased Jonah down with a storm. And the question I want to leave with you today is this. What will it take for you to surrender? What will it take in that relationship to finally give in? 
to finally forgive, to finally reach out for help in the struggle that you've been hiding and burying from those around you? To step out into the thing that God's calling you to, even though it seems so scary, but God hasn't let that go, and he keeps calling you to step in, and you keep drowning that voice out. What is it going to take for you to surrender? Because God is going to chase you down, and in Jonah's case, God used a storm to get Jonah's attention. And maybe in your case, you've walked through some storms, some things in life, and you're just unwilling to give God your attention. And maybe for you, you're here this morning and and you're not a follower of Jesus and yet there's this prompting, this, this sense in you, it's time to give up my way and go God's way. To put my life in the hands of Jesus and put my faith in him. But you keep pushing it off. What's it gonna take for you to surrender? You know, God chases us down And often we get a picture of our heavenly father chasing us down with a big stick, right? Oh, we're running and he's coming after us and we're going to get put into, you know, time out or, you know, he's just going to hit us over the head with his big stick because he's chasing us down like he's going to condemn us. But do you know that you have a heavenly father and he does not chase you down with a stick? In fact, the way your heavenly father has chased us down is that when we were far from him and we all have been. That he chased us down by sending his one and only son. Not with a stick, with his own son. And his son took the penalty of our sin and paid it on a cross. And he chases us down with blood-stained hands saying, I want you. Not with a stick, blood-stained hands. He chases you down. And sometimes he uses a staff like a shepherd in a storm, and he says, come this way. Never with a stick. He chases you down with love. So what's it going to take for you to surrender to your heavenly Father? Let me pray with you. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for Jonah, this prophet who I relate to. Because God, when you call me out, faith comes hard for me. And it's hard for me to step out when you call. It's hard for me to forgive when someone's hurt me so strongly. God, sometimes it's hard for me to give up my pathways and my sin, and own what I've done. And God, I think for all of us, we struggle sometimes to heed your voice when you say, come this way. We try to drown out your voice in different ways. And so Father, today as we, as we hear your word, as we hear how you deal with a prophet like Jonah and how you deal with us in our running. Thank you, God, that you do not chase us down with a stick to condemn us. Your word says that, Jesus, you came not to condemn the world, you came to save it. So, Father, as we consider our own waywardness, our own running, and guaranteed each of us have, has different ways we're running even today, would you bring them to mind And as we ponder that question, what's it going to take to surrender? Father, would you give us the strength and the courage 
to surrender to you today. I pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us today. We trust you have been encouraged and challenged in your faith journey. If you're desiring prayer, want more information on our church, want to partner with us or be involved in any way, please go to our website at mountoliveefc.com. We'll see you next time.